Hi there, I'm AR, and this is the 14th log and the fifth discussion on The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Welcome to the Lore Research Lab. Today's thesis, Adventuring Through the Wild. What is the basic geography of Hyrule in Breath of the Wild, and why is that important to know? Um, it's time to deep dive folks. First, some background. What is there to be said about Hyrule as a landmass, and what is the greater applicability of knowing geography? So, I realize I mentioned geography pretty often now, and it might actually be worth mentioning why we care so much about it here at the Lore Research Lab. And as per usual, I'll be linking the interactive map, because more than ever, <laughs> that map is going to come in real helpful. <laughs> Alright, um, but Anyways, geography figures into the meta discussion I've been trying to build on this game. It builds into it, sorry, it figures into it very strongly. Um, you know, it, knowing geography lends itself to theory-related ideas as well as, uh, I don't know, uh, increasing an understanding about the history of Hyrule itself, uh, whether, yeah, so whether that's from a theory perspective or whether that's just from what the game tells us, it lends itself to some pretty cool ideas. And the Creating a Champion guidebook itself states um, on the header that has the pages dedicated to showing an entire map of Hyrule, um, main locations, just naming ma the, ma the, the main places you used to care about. It says here, quote, history written on the geography of Hyrule, end quote. So we can tell that um, there are connections to be drawn here. And I will say though, that I, I'm gonna be using this section to introduce a couple rules and key things to keep in mind. Um, and this is not, this, these are rules and, and kind of criteria, if you will, not restricted to Breath of the Wild. So this, um, in terms of geography, this applies to both Breath of the Wild and other games I may mention, um, have mentioned and so on. So here are three important designations that gives geography its importance, because you're probably wondering at this point if it applies so strongly to the content here, well, how exactly does it figure in? Well, let the, here are the three important designations. One, the Zelda franchise is also concerned with geography, and if my point already didn't, all, like uh, the Creating a Champion guidebook has that title, for example, that does speak volumes, you know? So the first point is this, the Zelda franchise is also concerned with geography in a way that I think is similar to my concern with Zelda geography. Based off of notes from the encyclopedia, we can tell that planning out the land was integral to gameplay and storytelling, and I get that that can appear as a given from a developer standpoint, and just creating a game, like you need to know where people are going to be located, right? Like, or where things happen. I, I get that, that's actually a pretty basic thing. But even from a lore standpoint, this is actually important to consider the land itself. And, you know, the developers also repeatedly self-reference, both in the Hyrule Historia and the Encyclopedia. And by this, I mean they draw constant comparisons between their own creations across the franchise, such as the crest of the Kingdom of Hyrule and the crest of Hylia bearing strong similarities. And those come from, um, well, let's see. So um, the crest of Hylia comes specifically from Skyward Sword, but the, king the crest of the Kingdom of Hyrule appears in various iterations of in the Zelda franchise. Um, of course, now we actually know at this point that the, from a lore standpoint, um, the Kingdom of Hyrule, it derived its crest, <laughs> it de sorry, derived its crest from the crest of Hylia. 
I know that was a bit confusing, but it, it's all the self-referential stuff that makes that clear. And more to the point on geography, different versions of Hyrule seem to correlate very closely. Whether that was intentional or not, I can't prove, but nevertheless, that seems to be the case. Number two, Breath of the Wild's version of Hyrule doesn't appear accidental. From a theory standpoint, I am arguing that the geography of certain provinces direct, like directly translate to and directly translate to and result in what we see in Breath of the Wild. So that interactive map I've been linking all the time, I believe that the geography you see there, that was intentional. That was meant to be in some kind of way, you know. Um, and of course, this this is keeping to the meta theory that after the split in the timelines. Breath of the Wild falls in the hero defeated timeline post Ocarina of Time. So whatever games follow in that trajectory, Breath of the Wild's geography probably evolved as a result of those games, if you will. Um, and you know, what that could mean is that there could be locations, structures, and so on that have appeared earlier in the franchise, such as in Skyward Sword and or Ocarina of Time, and might still be there in Breath of the Wild. I know that's more speculative, if anything, but Breath of the Wild's version of Hyrule appears cumulative in its appearance. Like, lots of things happen before we arrived at this version of Hyrule, excluding the Great Calamity. Like, even without the Great Calamity being a thing, it's like a lot of stuff has, has come and concentrated in this version of Hyrule. And number three, Breath of the Wild is filled with ancient ruins, and based on what is seen in the sequel teaser, there is more to be witnessed. Where places, are, uh, where places appear are important to a degree that predates the existence of the game itself. Whether or not the developers intended for this to happen, having ancient ruins automatically leads to lore building and the construction of a relevant history. Um, if you remember this name from the, the last Gerudo episode, the Zonai um, are the main race that, they're the main, the main race that fall, uh, they fall under this umbrella. Um, having many ruins spread across Hyrule, while remaining as mysterious as possible. Um, to have history and lore that predates the game can only mean that there are connections to be drawn to previous games, or that is the most likely conclusion to draw. Um, and that's all in thanks to defined geography, where you see things in Breath of the Wild matters, especially when you consider how, um, uh, how this game, Breath of the Wild in particular, really cares um, about historical, sociological, and religious events, among other things. Breath of the Wild is very much concerned about it. And if the ruins of the wild told us anything, life sprawled in different forms and different practices led to different monuments, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of uh, factors to account for. So with all that being said, and to summarize, one, the Zelda franchise is concerned with geography, two, Breath of the Wild's version of Hyrule appears cumulative in its appearance, and three, it feels like there is more to know in Breath of the Wild's version of Hyrule. There's still lots of unknowns, lots of factors to account for, and these are all related again um, to the idea that geography is very important in this franchise and not just limited to this game. But of course, we're focusing on this game today, so um, I will note that there are a couple rules I have in place for myself when discussing the geography of Breath of the Wild. And this is more so for stuff going forward, um, kind of generally applies to this episode as well, but uh, you know, it's gonna come up later. Uh, I figure I'm just gonna get these prerequisites out of the way. Um, uh, they are threefold, just, I, I, like, I like trios as well. Um, number one, 
I will distinguish or have to distinguish between Easter eggs and places that might have greater historical bearing. So what this means is uh, Easter eggs, for example, the divine beasts, they kind of combine both. They're um, Vonaboris and Baruto are definitely homages to Ruto and Naburu from Ocarina of Time. Um, but there's also some lore thrown in that, you know, um, Mifa's family basically originates from Ruto's family of Ocarina of Time. And Naburu is ancestral to the Gerudo that we see in Breath of the Wild. So there's Easter eggs and also lore mixed in there, but I think it's more strongly lore, if anything. Um, and Breath of the Wild does this a lot. It's a mixed bag with the Divine Beast, for example, but it's also a mixed bag with its places. So locations like um, the Lanayru province and the Gerudo Desert appear to have a clear trajectory across the franchise, but other locations don't seem as clear, or at the very least are hard to argue for, like how it, it ended up here over time. Um, and other minor locations appear as homages, but might have relevant, you know, like lore-related connotations. Um, I know that's really vague, but there are some places that I found that kind of contradict this idea that, oh, the hero defeated Timeline, all that stuff, um, land has shifted over time from Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, blah, 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 through all these games to accumulate in the form of Breath of the Wild's version of Hyrule. Um, that is the most practical thing to argue for me in terms of geography, but there are still places in here that I'm like, well, I have to think about what what is what is lore and history related, and then what are Easter eggs? Um, and that is what I am determined to do, to make that difference. Number two, transitory events such as land shifting um, I are mostly left to interpretation. Um, there is no concrete to prove what I think I know in terms of geography, how things end up where they are. I don't actually, I, to be honest, I don't have an, I think a concrete answer to this issue, but I have to outline this rule for myself so that way it gives me a little bit of legroom. So this rule, what I mean by this, is that places like Gerudo Desert can have an explanation for its location in the larger map, um, even if that's a simplistic explanation. So that I've mentioned this in a previous episode, I believe. The Desert of Ocarina of Time appears to closely translate to Breath of the Wild's desert, which appears to be like really straightforward as an answer. And of course, we don't know how much time has passed between the two games. We don't know exactly how much time has passed between the two games. So it could look similar, but depending on the games that have happened in between and also how much time has passed, it, it, it it's probably not as simple as that. But I'm taking into consideration that like, you know, land masses on planet Earth, Hyrule evolves and shifts in its own way. So this can still be explained, if you know what I mean. Obviously this rule, is it seems more in service to the theorist side of things as opposed to a more literal thing but i don't know there's no concrete proof that i know of that would either i don't know um defunct this um this rule or prove it i don't, I don't know and finally weather is important each region is unique and probably has some bearing in the past, the game, like game location, things like that. So I am no meteorologist, but how warm and cold it is in a given province does matter. So I'm taking that into consideration when I'm theorizing because it, it, it can't be as easy as saying X location becomes Y location because I want it to be the case. That, that's what I want. Um, don't worry, I will keep myself in check. 
And with all of those prerequisites, rules, blah, 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 out of the way, I would like to introduce the second question as part of the background here. What are the principal provinces of Hyrule in Breath of the Wild and why should you know them? Based on my previous points, I think it's very important where things are located and thus where each province is located truly matters. The constituents of each province um, uh, as well, it's like it's important to know what makes a province a province and how big it is all that thing all that all that all that fun stuff um i'll go more into detail in the second section um but for now i'm going to be listing some names there are eight to remember so i'll start from the center and work my way out clockwise so um let's start so the first re the first province is central hyrule the next one is the hebra region um next is the elden region fourth is the akala region Fifth is the Lanayru region, or province, region, province, I'm using them interchangeably. Sixth is the Nucleta um, province. Seventh is the Farron province, and eighth is the Gerudo province region. The, the, well, the, the, there you go, but bam! If you aren't familiar with these games, um, sorry, with this game, I should say, um, this will sound kinda random, um, and uh, the regions, um, the Creating a Champion Guidebook provides an image that outlines the borders of each province, but I will be talking about that, so where those borders end and things like that. Um, let's get right into it. Welcome to your guided tour of Hyrule. I am your tour guide, ARK. And I'm going to break down each province one by one, while also discussing the key areas of a given province. So that way you know how safe it is to visit, um, what there is to know, just all those kind of fun facts. Those are your tourist spots. So keep that in mind is that with each given province, you're going to learn about some unique distinguishing thing, uh, places. Uh, located in that province. Get your scuba gear on or your hiking gear because it's time to deep dive or take the climb. Let's begin! First is Central Hyrule, what was once the center of life. Central Hyrule is mostly covered in ruined Hylian settlements, um, but it still maintains wide open fields. Lots of greenery. I recommend going out for walks there, but only if you can ensure defense measures against guardians, both roaming and stationary, macoblins, moblins, Yiga clan foot soldiers, foot soldiers and the occasional hinnocks and if you are venturing at night well you will find skeletal versions of some of those um so just be wary it is the largest province you can encounter in all of hyrule and true to its name it is central so it shares a border with nearly every province its borders end at sheer cliffs in the southwest the gerudo uh, province a vast canyon to the west um which is the hebra province um, water bodies to the south and southeast, which are the Farron, Nucleta, and Lenaven provinces, respectively, and the foot of a great mountain northeast of the province, which would be the Elden province. So the only province Central Hyrule does not share a border with is Akala, which is thanks to the Elden and Lenaven provinces landlocking it. Central Hyrule lacks scorching and freezing climates, uh, or in, in a word, extreme, it lacks extreme climates, so it's easiest. It's the easiest region or province I think you would have to trek through. Uh, you still do get rain and thunder, though, so fair warning. 
Castletown, located at the foot of Hyrule Castle, used to be where life thrived, as we know. Um, Hyrule Castle, of course, is located in this province, effectively functioning as the center in the central province and the center of all Hyrule. It's like the heart, you know? Um, uh, rivers course through much of this province, as do most of the main roads. Um, uh, so central Hyrule, therefore, has the most roads, or at the very least, outlined paths for travelers to trek. Notice to anyone on this tour, most tourist spots in central Hyrule are kind of ruined and littered with enemies. You have been warned. Tourist spot number one, the Great Hyrule Forest. The only forest of its kind in Hyrule, this mystical forest is protected by a mirage known as the Lost Woods, a definite callback to the Lost Woods found in a previous version of Hyrule, if you will. Um, functioning in the same fashion as its predecessor, the Lost Woods is easy to get lost in if you don't know the way to the forest. If you find your way, you'll find the resting place of the Master Sword, the legendary sword that seals away darkness situated on its pedestal when you first go there. The Great Hyrule Forest is located just north of Hyrule Castle. Just outside the Great Hyrule Forest is the Woodland Tower, one of a series of Sheikah Towers, and at the foot of it are ruins of a military training camp now inhabited by enemies. Adventure here at your own discretion warning, you can think of any word. Tourist spot number two, Hyrule Castle. It's the giant dilapidated castle situated just north of the central field. There's a moat that surrounds it as well as a couple gi gi gigantic ancient columns sprouting out from the ground. Go there at your own risk because a variety of enemies, primarily guardians, inhabit that area and have now made it their home. Tourist spot number three, Hyrule Ridge. Located just west of the castle is a series of strange trees, rocks, I'm not quite sure, but they're covered in grass, I think. Um, the Hyrule Ridge is a mix of rivers and open fields um, and, and was once an area that lended itself to research for the Sheikah um, in the work they did for the royal family. I mourn the loss of this lab whenever I pass by these ruins. There is also a mysterious mountain known as the Satori Mountain, where a mystical equine-like beast resides, a beast known as the Lord of the Mountain. If you see a glowing blue light in the distance, it's coming from here. Tourist spot number four, the Great Plateau. The Great Plateau is littered with ruins and a small forest. There are surrounding locations worth noting. The Outpost Ruins and the Colosseum Ruins, and these are outside of the Great Plateau. Lots of activity was happening around the Great Plateau um, between pilgrims heading to the Temple of Time, um, when it was still standing, a local military force um, at the Outpost Ruins, and as well, people probably fighting for entertainment purposes nearby at the Colosseum. Now there's enemies basically everywhere. All right, it's time to move on to the next province. Do you like ice, cold weather, snowy mountains, a single village? Then the Hebra region is perfect for you. Right off the bat, I advise you to wear the warmest of clothes in this region, for it is always cold and freezing. Below zero if you catch my drift. The Hebra province ends in only one direction, bordering two provinces to the south of it which would be Central Hyrule and the Gerudo province. Take one of the main roads in Central Hyrule to get there, but again, be safe. You don't want to get caught on, a, you know, in a snowstorm on the Tabantha Tundra, which is the main snowfield area that you encounter when you take the main road to get there. Um, you don't want to get caught in that snowstorm and you don't want to be, you know, get attacked by enemies without warning. The enemies here camouflage well with the snow and despite its openness, you are vulnerable to the weather and its inhabitants if you are not careful. 
If you are worried that no one lives here, you'll be happy to hear that you are wrong. There is one uh, lone village inhabited by the bird-like Rito. Their village is built on rock pillars and situated in the middle of a giant lake. So be wary of where you trek because the the landmass, the area is very configured to flight and tall heights. And if that's not your cup of tea, then maybe don't go there. You'll find the odd ancient ruin, lots of snow covering fields and mountains alike, and water sources concentrated in one area, mostly near where the Rito live. Be careful of the Heber Mountains. It's at a high altitude. Your vision will easily get blurry because of rising wind speeds at the peaks, and steep slopes are ultimately against you. It's kind of slippery. There's ice. Just, you've been warned. Tourist spot number one, the Tabantha Frontier. Unlike the freezing cold, mostly comprising the Heber region, this more temperate rocky area provides you with sporadic ruins, as well as the Tabantha Sheikah Tower. Another nice spot to adventure through, a nice place for a brisk walk. This is the only area in the Hebrew region that isn't in a perpetual state of freezing. Tourist spot number two, Forgotten Temple. If you're a risk taker, travel down into the vast canyon in the direction of the Tabantha Tundra. There is this humongous gaping canyon, and it kind of looks like someone drew like a line on the map and filled it in. And well, it's it's kind of, it. this Forgotten Temple is in there. At its base in the canyon, you should find the ruins of an old temple, but just don't go inside. There's tons of guardians there. They're stationary, but tons. There are tons. Um, so you can just admire it from the outside. Next, we have the Elden region. It's blazing hot in the Elden province, perfect for sunbathing, but only if you are a Goron, otherwise it'll just burn. A drastic counterpart to the Hebrew region, the Elden region feels like it is on fire. It makes sense since an active volcano comprises most of the region, or lava, I should say. Um, if you dare to adventure here, make sure to wear fireproof armor. This region is ore heavy, meaning you'll find all kinds of ore deposits, such as that of topaz, rubies, sapphires, and a lot more. There's a constant lava flow from the mouth of Death Mountain, so always be cautious where you trek. Thankfully, the foot of the mountain isn't as bad and the surrounding mountainscape, if you will. There are a series of hot springs for adventurous travelers, surrounded by rocks cascading upwards in the direction of the mountain. Going here is like being on a permanent hike, you know, if that's something you like. Um, this area only takes up about 20% of the region, these kind of more moderately weathered, uh, mountainous areas. It only takes up about 20% of the region, so to reiterate, the other 80% could light you up like a firework. The Elden region's borders end to its west, which would be central Hyrule, to the south, which would be the Lanayra region or province, and east to the Iqala province. All direct borders, so at least you won't get totally lost when you're in this area. Plus, being here gives you great vantage points, since nearly all of central Hyrule and the surrounding areas can, or provinces can be seen. The higher up you go, the more you see, and thus more of Hyrule can be seen. Notice, all tourist spots should only be visited if the individual has the proper armor equipped, otherwise you'll be on fire wherever you go. Tourist spot number one, Gut Check Rock. If you manage to trek the treacherous mountains, to the far reaches of Elden, you'll find a series of rock formations behind the volcano, one standing above the rest. That one is the Gut Check Rock. Go there to participate in the ultimate rock climbing challenge. Tourist spot number two, Death Mountain. Assuming you aren't on fire at this point, visiting the volcano is something to behold. It is quite the sight. As always, be wary of enemies and be friendly to the Gorons whenever you see them. Goron City is not far from the volcano, so you're bound to run into a minor or a civilian Goron. 
They don't get visitors often, so make the most of your visit by dropping by the city while you're at it. Tourist spot number three, the Southern Line. Assuming you still haven't caught fire yet, this place is a great place to visit. You can get a sense of Elden geology here with all the ores waiting to be mined, witness volcanic wildlife in the form of fireproof lizards, and it is also a great place to stroll by the lava safely. There's a nice little kind of lava flow under a tiny little metallic bridge. It's very nice. Next, we have the Akala province or Akala region. This province, it always looks like autumn here. This scenic province is tucked away in the northeast corner of Hyrule, fortified by steep cliffs, steep cliffs, mountainous plains, and is covered in red leaf trees. Its borders end directly to its southwest, which would be the Elden region, and southeast to the Nehru region. This is a great place to visit, that is if you can brave the trek there. The Akala Citadel was once considered a tourist spot, but due to the number of enemies that inhabit the Citadel and surrounding areas such as the Torin wetlands, um, this area has been deemed too dangerous for visitors. Please trek through the Akala Highlands and the Deep Akala at your own risk. Um, tourist spot number one, East Akala Plains and the Risk Peninsula. If you make your way through Akala, you manage to brave the highlands and all the surrounding area. You'll find a beautiful shoreline and a swirling landmass known as the East Akala Plains and the Rist Peninsula, respectively. Once again, be aware that enemies may inhabit the area, but you can find remnants of ruins on the mainland if you follow the circling uh, or swirling path of the peninsula. Tourist spot number two, the Akala Ancient Tech Lab. One of the two labs found in Hyrule, this lab is home to research efforts being made to develop Guardian countermeasures countermeasures, such as guardian arrows, armor, and other weapons. The lab is also, you know, the lab provides a nice view of Akala, so if you decide to, vi decide to visit this place, you won't be disappointed with the great autumnal uh, scenery. Also say hi to Robbie, the head scientist there, when you drop by. Tourist spot number three, Akala Sea. If you make your way to the shore here, you will have reached the far northeast corner of Hyrule. It is the true end of the world, if you will in this part of Hyrule. Well done! We cannot guarantee safety in this area, however, so be cautious. Um, if you do find a way to be, you know, safely arrive at this spot and, you know, avoid enemies and such, you'll get a great view from the ground and be looking up. You'll get a great view of the mysterious and highly inaccessible Lome Island Labyrinth, positioned just in the middle of the sea. So, those were the first four provinces. Um, Keep listening to hear about the last four provinces. So you've braved the initial provinces of Hyrule, most of which comprise the northern half of the map. Think about it like a clock. Think about Hyrule like a clock. I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but better sooner than later, I guess. Um, Central Hyrule would be the center of your clock. Then you have Hebra at around, let's say, 11, 11 o'clock. Then you have Elden at your one o'clock and Akala at your two o'clock. It's time to get to the rest of the clock, folks. Um, once we, you know, in Hyrule, once you head further east and southward, as you know, you go clockwise, right? You'll find slightly more benign locations here in um, uh, Hyrule. Um, slightly more benevolent locations. I think I've used those words correctly. Um, I, the thing is, is that I, I find that Central Hyrule, Hebra, Elden, and Akala have all, all have kind of 
uh, what's it called? They all have things, factors about them that make them dangerous locations or places to be especially wary of, considering the extreme weather conditions in Hebra and Elden and just the amount of ruination in Akala and Central Hyrule. These other places aren't quite as bad. You're still gonna get your, whatever, variations of, of those similar problems, but it doesn't seem quite as bad. Um, still, always be wary of enemies lurking around every corner, and you know, you can never be too sure post-calamity, so you're gonna hear that disclaimer a lot that enemies might be nearby. Fun fact, Sheikah Towers tend to border um, or kind of are situated within central Hyrule, our principal province, right? The biggest one. Um, but not all towers follow this pattern. And by that, I mean that the towers are either not visible from central Hyrule, um, uh, things like that. It's kind of interesting to know where the Sheikah Towers are located. Um, but what this does mean is that the uh, central Hyrule as a province is not only the largest province, but also the one that possesses the most Sheikah Towers, and that makes sense, rounding to a total of four towers. Um, the Hebrew region possesses two towers. Elden, Akala, and Lanayru all possess one tower each, while Nucleida, Farron, and Gerudo uh, each possess two towers. It's time to continue with our guided tour of Hyrule. So, Lanayru. The Lanayru province is the essential water bearer of the entire landmass, all of Hyrule, sustaining all fresh water that circulates through and around Hyrule, including, you know, the water that surrounds the castle, even that moat. Um, being mostly water-based, the anthropomorphic fish-like people, the Zora people, reside solely in this province. Um, constituted by luscious highlands, stable climbing ranges, climbing ranges, and gorgeous coastal views, the Lanayru province is still an amazing place to visit, providing those who visit there with beautiful sights. Mostly temperate weather sustains this province, um, uh, and you do get rainfall every now and then, this being, uh, water-inclined region, if you will. Um, you do still have the very cold Mount Lanayru situated here, though, so there's a fluctuation between moderate weather, so slightly warmer, um, rainfall, and then, of course, the cold that you get on Mount Lanayru. Um, it's not quite as cold as the Heber province on the whole, but don't take your chances. Always wear warm clothing in cold areas when you visit these parts of Hyrule. Um, though not as large as central Hyrule, the Lanayru province shares borders with almost as many provinces, so it's second only to central Hyrule in the number of provinces that it borders. So its borders end to its north, which would be Elden and Akala, its west, which would be central Hyrule, and then directly to its south, Nucleida. The Lanayru Promenade is once a heavily populated and used pathway to reach Mount Lanayru as a path of a pathway of pilgrimage and general travel, but due to its decrepit state, uh, crumbling structures, and increasing monster inhabitants, the area has been deemed too dangerous for tourists. So, unfortunately, those are places we cannot recommend as part of your visit. So it's time to start with the tourist spots here. Tourist spot number one, Zora's Domain. By visiting this location, you'll have access to many tourist spots that constitute this uh, water-endowed province, if you will. Zora's Domain is the civilization center of Lanayru, where a beautiful structure resides. The glasswork, metallurgy, all of the uh, the architecture, it's beautiful beyond compare. It's simply splendid. Though enemies venture not far from the domain, you can find stone monuments or annals documenting Zora history all around the area, so it's a great place for a history lesson if you want to know more about different cultures. Um, you'll also find some of the prettiest natural rock formations here where luminous stone ores thrive. 
From here, you can access the Zaudabon Highlands and Upland Zorana, to name a few, which are very scenic locations that provide you with great views of Hyrule and nature itself. Once again, be wary of any nearby enemies, and in uh, there's a grotto that's not far, just east of uh, Zoro's domain. That's a nice place to visit, but I think it's a bit too dangerous considering the number of enemies that inhabit the area. Um, but again, Zoro's domain, it's a, a place where if you go there, you'll probably adventure out and find some really beautiful sights. Tourist spot number two, Horon Lagoon. Not far from Mulaneru Sea is a little area known as the Horon Lagoon, a beautiful coastal site with rocks crowding the area, you know, the sea, the coast, uh, um, and the shoreline. And there's a great kind of like wind gust there, so it's, it's, it's great for if you just want a nice breeze. Um, it provides you with a great view of Mount Lanayru as well as Lanayru Bay, which connects to this quaint lagoon. Lanayru Bay is a separate water body from the rest of the water that circulates from uh, the main areas of the Lanayru province. Um, but nevertheless, uh, this connects to the sea, so you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful either way. Next, we have Nucleta. Working our way south, you will find probably the most benevolent province that's, uh, uh, that constitutes Hyrule. This, this is Nucleta. Welcome, welcome to Nucleta. It's nice. It's, pr it's pretty nice there. Um, though enemies roam certain areas, this is probably among the safer regions to explore. So if there are places that you are thinking about going to in Hyrule, though this uh, um, Nucleta doesn't necessarily possess, I don't know, ruins or... Uh, drastic climates or high mountains per se, it's it's safe to go to and that's important. Nucleta's borders end directly to its north, which would be Lanayru, east, central Hyrule, and then to its south, which would be Farron. Nucleta possesses qualities of nature similar to that of Hyrule, so the two don't appear that different from one another, though uh, I'd say Nucleta is slightly more mountainous. Um, and there are more there's more of a population in Nucleta compared to all of Central Hyrule combined, so that is something to take into consideration. Here you can find Kakariko Village, home to the Sheikah clan, a clan that, you know, they've protected memories, myth, and history through their strong sense of culture and oral tradition, and they are among one of the oldest races of Hylians, you know, that currently remain in existence. So you go visit that place, they're pretty friendly people. Um, one of the few places untouched by the calamity is Hateno Village, a pleasant village not far from Nucleta Sea, and possesses the unique trade um, of a dye shop. So there's a, um, a uh, you know, someone there who will dye your clothes, and that location, that dye shop, is the only one of its kind of all in all of Hyrule. Do visit, you know, the dye shop in Hateno Village when you get the chance if you're going to Nucleta. Within Nucleta itself are two halves, West and East Nucleta respectively. You'll find Kakariko Village in West Nucleta, for example, as well as the scenic and mountainous dueling peaks. And in East Nucleta, you will find Hateno Village and the surrounding mountain ranges, including areas that border uh, Lanayru. So it's time to get on with the tourist spots. Tourist spot number one, Hateno Tech Lab. The other, the other surviving tech lab in Hyrule, this research lab is managed by Pura, who is responsible for the management of the Sheikah Plate, the device that holds all the information, inventories, and more within it, as well as the ever-important runes. You'll get a beautiful view of Nucleta Sea from here, so make sure to visit the lab and check out the scenery. Tourist spot number two, Cliffs of Quince. Not far from Hateno Tower are a series of landmasses with holes in them. Uh, 
The open plains are beautiful, giving you a nice vantage point to see most of the new Clayton province from. Watch out for enemies if there are any, and make sure not to actually fall into the holes, because then you'll just go plunging um, into the rock sides and the, I guess, ground zero almost, where grasslands and are there, but nothing to really cushion your fall. Just be careful. Tourist spot number three, Cape Kales. These ti this tiny peak that outcrops from a mountain connecting to the Farron region gives you another great view of Nucleta Sea. But be wary of enemy camps and rain on the way here since it tends to rain here often. So if you are trying to mountain climb your way there, well, you're gonna be slipping and sliding for most of the climb. You know, other than that, you're in for a place primed for a view of the sunset, sunrise, and so on. Gorgeous view of the sea and the sky from here. Tourist spot number four, Eventide Island. Um, it's fairly inaccessible to the average Hylian, that is this island, and it's located in the sea in the far corners of Nucleta. It is said mysterious things occur on this elusive island, and it's quite far away from the mainland, so just be wary that you are isolated from nearly all of civil- actually all of civilization from here. Make sure you have a way to get back. This is a pretty, uh, this island hasn't been investigated in much detail, always keep that in mind. Alright, so we are approaching the final two provinces of our guided tour. Here we have, uh, next to Nucleta, is the heavily forested Farron province, known for its heavy rainfall, thunderstorms, red-colored cliffsides, and mysterious ruins belonging to the elusive Zonai people. The lesser-known area of the Farron province includes the Farron grasslands, which are more sandy and mountainous until they transition into greener plains that resemble other parts of Hyrule, for example, Central Hyrule and Nucleta. Um, Central Hyrule, Nucleta, and Farron share some of the more geographic similarities, in, in a manner of speaking. This region is reasonably uninhabited, so it is an area susceptible to enemies concealed by the thick foliage. If you don't know where things are or where to go, you always have to be careful here. That is something to keep in mind. Um, Farron's borders end to its northeast, which would be Nucleta, its direct north, central Hyrule, and directly to its west, which would be Gerudo. If you make your way past the heavy forest, you'll find the shoreside village known as Lorelin Village. Along with Hateno Village, this village was another kind of sanctuary, if you will, that survived the Great Calamity, where Hylians still are able to thrive and live off of the sea, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a quaint little place. Um, due to rising monster populations in the thick forest, the Spring of Courage and the Zonai ruins in the surrounding area, in, uh, like around the Spring of Courage, um, they have been deemed too dangerous for visitor viewing, so just be wary of that. Tourist spot number one, Tuft Mountain. If you are in search of, uh, you know, if you are in search of love, if you will, or have an interest in urban myths surrounding love, this mountain is the place for you. A heart-shaped pond rests at its top, so it's easy to see why a myth surrounding love appears connected to this mountain. It's pretty, uh, I'd say, undisturbed, um, and there is a direct path that leads to it. It's worth visiting. It's pretty scenic. Tourist spot number two, Palmore Ruins. If you head towards the sea from Lurland Village, then head westward to Palmore Beach, where you will find ancient pillars and walkways, uh, which can be known as the Palmore Ruins. Somewhere scattered on the beach are three fragments of a disc that reveal a mysterious message about this location, or something to that effect. These ruins are quite ancient, and, you know, it also gives you a great view of the sea, right at, you know, at the ground level. You just can stare at the sea 
great. It's a great place to go to um, for the sights. Tourist spot number three, Floria Bridge. Within the thick and luscious forest resides this open natural bridge overseeing a series of waterfalls, high lakes, and red cliffs. Going here will show you the vast number of ruins that constitute the barren region. So while these ruins remain mysterious and unfortunately we can't say much about them, you can at least still appreciate the scenery and all of the columns and designs and things like that. Who knows, you might even be able to witness something called a Servant of the Spring emerging from a lake around here. Something like that, who knows, Servant of the Spring. Tourist spot number four, Lake Hylia. Serving as the entranceway to the Farron province from central Hyrule, this vast lake is both historical and beautiful. A large bridge manages to get, uh, I, it manages the gap between central Hyrule and Farron, but it is known to be the home of certain monsters, so it is recommended that you find an alternate route to cross the lake. In any case, come to the shores if possible to see this great water body. It is among the few that exist outside of the Lanayru province in terms of vast water bodies, so it is definitely worth the visit. Alright folks, we have arrived at our final province. Welcome to the Gerudo province. Probably among one of the larger provinces in all of Hyrule, the duality of this province is certainly astounding. Protected by high mountains and sheer cliffs, the desert is scenic but it's somewhat inaccessible, especially with monsters littered along the roads from central Hyrule leading there. And if you don't have the appropriate clothing or uh, food and things like that, it could be quite difficult to venture through here. Um, the highlands, or the mountain that surrounds the desert, is a cold area. Wear warm clothing here, very important. Um, it is quite the switch to head to the desert, where the relentless heat knows no bounds. You almost have to pick and choose which part of Gerudo you would prefer. Freezing cold mountains or a blazing hot desert. It, re it really is up to you. Uh, Gerudo's borders end to its east, which would be Farron, um, directly north of it, central Hyrule, and then to northwest, if you will, which would be Hebra. Though guardians don't inhabit the desert that much, some are found around the highlands, and Additionally, unique monsters do reside in the desert, so be cautious. And due to extreme weather in these locations, most tourist spots are considered voluntary places to adventure to and require lots of caution. Due to the steep cliffs that provide little respite from monsters and weather alike, similarly, most ruins in the desert require lots of precautionary measures for people to take, so I'm afraid most places um, to that would be considered a visiting location will not be listed and would have to be found on your own time and if you can ensure that kind of safety. We cannot, unfortunately. Additionally, due to the malevolent Yiga clan basing their hideout in Carusa Valley, this area of the highlands cannot be ventured to until the hideout is dealt with. All right, tourist spot number one, Gerudo Desert Gateway. If you manage to make it here from Central Hyrule, Hyrule well, well done. Congratulations. You've reached the mouth of the canyon that leads into the Great Desert. There would be travelers nearby, or should be travelers nearby, uh, so at least you won't be alone. Most importantly, this area shows you where one of the divine beasts of legend, Vonnaborus, was excavated. So that's, that's a cool little archaeological site. Tourist spot number two, Karakara Bazaar. A pit stop area located en route to Gerudo Town. You'll find this quaint bazaar uh, after... Bizarre? Bizarre. After emerging from the vast Gerudo Canyon. The weather doesn't scorch you just yet if you get here, but weather the weather does vary again in the desert, so make sure you are equipped for the heat. 
to her spot number three, the Seven Heroines. If you manage to brave the heat, you'll find this enclosure of gigantic statues not far from the desert gateway. In fact, it's just slightly west of it. Um, and also watch out for sandstorms. You might get caught in that and not find your way here. It's really close by to the Desert Canyon, uh, des sorry, the Gerudo Desert Gateway. So um, just keep that in mind in terms of plotting your journey. Um, you, you'll probably wonder who built them, how they were built and why they were built. But with the ancient scripture inscribed on these uh, seven statues, you can at least appreciate the craftsmanship. I would do anything to meet the artisans who, craft, who you know, created these great statues, designed them. I don't know, there's just so much wonder when you go here and you feel so tiny. These statues are humongous. Well, anyways, we have reached the end of our guided tour of Hyrule. I hope you enjoyed your tour throughout these diverse provinces. Keep in mind that not all tour spots were listed um, for safety purposes and just, uh, you know, keeping in time, uh, sorry, keeping in mind that there is, we have to consider time, people have their own schedules, but if you do find you are equipped to venture to any location, by all means, adventure. There is so much to be witnessed out there, and once you head to a location, you'll, you'll definitely enjoy some of the sights. Just make sure you're safe, that's all. That's all I'm saying. So what does this all mean? Um, well, obviously that guided tour was very long. Um, and there is probably a lot to be said about, you know, the geography of Hyrule in this version, uh, uh, in this game, I should say. Uh, but let, let's try and sum it up here. So what we can tell is that each province, and I use the word already, each province is very diverse. There's a lot to be explored within each province, aside from locations that are kind of lore-specific, if you will. Um, and there, the things, some of the places that I described in that guided tour you heard before, um, you know, once again, these are places, they're tourist spots, if you will. They make the area unique, and they distinguish it from other uh, locations. I think that's pretty easy to summarize. Next is that each province is historical in nature and within their diverse uh, scheme, if you will. So the history that comes with each province is a little bit different, but all add into the greater history we build around this version of Hyrule. Um, for example, a lot of what happens in central Hyrule, where the royal family would have been situated at Hyrule Castle, um, their history is almost interspersed with every other history that you see in this game because of diplomatic relations, um, any kind of pilgrimage and travel, so the interaction with other cultures, um, very much integrated into central Hyrulean history, if you will. If you're a Hylian that was living in central Hyrule, um, or you were part of the castle uh, military or the guards, or like something, whatever, you had a role there, then your relationships with other cultures was, it's dependent on the history building there, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Uh, hopefully it did. Um, you know, some examples is that uh, in the Laneva region where um, the Zora reside, um, uh, the, um, there, there are a series of like stone monuments that have um, scripture on it, and I mentioned this in the guided tour as well, but it has text that kind of outlines um, a history of the Zora and their ceremonies, and there's a little side quest you can embark on to try and 
find all 10 of them, I think, and then you'll get whatever, some monetary reward for doing so. Um, but you don't get something like that in uh, in the Hebrew region where the, Re where the Rito reside, for example, or the Elden region where the Goron reside. Um, you don't get a version of that per se. Um, uh, so it's things, it's things like that, uh, factors that distinguish one province from another, but also that in terms of its history, different things took place in different provinces. So the flavors you get of each province is going to be unique because of that, that history too. Another example of this would be the Nucleta, which houses um, Hateno Village, Kakriko Village, Blanchery Plain, and Fort Taino, for example which are all sites I have mentioned in previous uh, episodes and in this episode too. Um, you know, Hateno Village is one of the few places that survived the Great Calamity. Fort Hateno is kind of that stoppage, that that, that is a, the key site where the Guardians were eventually warded off um, uh, despite the lack of manpower and military there. And Blattery Plain is where Link supposedly died, Zelda harnessed her powers, and lots of Guardians were powered down as a result of that event. Kakariko Village is um, the home to the Sheikah clan, who we know feature quite prominently both in this game and in terms of the other games and so forth. Um, so once again, the Nuclade also shows here that the history here is it's unique to this province because of the events that took place here. That's another thing to, to say, if I'm, if, I'm if I'm gonna try and summarize this point better, it's that each province is not only unique in its own right, each province has a unique history, and thus there are multiple histories to be told around this version of Hyrule in a way that uh, slightly distinguishes itself from previous games. So if we're to compare this version of, and this, this is a segue to my next point, um, uh, the geography of this version of Hyrule is different from other versions of Hyrule that we've seen in the franchise. And this is a bit more of a broader point, and I'll try and dive more into this in the future. But, um, uh, yeah, this, I don't know why I'm struggling to, fra to frame a sentence right now, although that, that actually shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, but this version of Hyrule, because I'm actually looking at the Creating a Champion Guidebook as I'm talking right now, and I'm looking at the map that's presented across two pages, and it, it's so expansive. There's just so much to be explored, and it's not like I haven't looked at this map before. I mean, I own the game, uh, and, and I've looked at that map countless times. I, I, I would know this, but just staring at it, and not on a game screen, but on like book pages, it's printed, seeing it in front of me. And this version of Hyrule is just massive. There is so much happening in each province, and I don't know that I got the same feel of this in previous games, especially the ones that I played, and even comparing it to maps I've seen in the Encyclopedia, for example, which detail most of the core games and their maps in some of the developers' notes and their illustrations, um, this, this compares drastically to the other ones in that it's so different. Um, you could really tell that uh, this, new, like this being among one of the more recent installations of core games, aside from uh, Link's Awakening, which is a remake of, an, of a much older game, um, you could tell they're really going for something different here, and I think they succeeded in that a lot. I, I, yeah, I, I think they succeeded in creating this really expansive, massive universe, a place to call Hyrule, and 
it takes you a long time to reach any corner of the map. Like if you were to, if the game were to stop you and being like, this is the end, like you can't go any farther. For the game to do that, you need to literally go to the far corners of each part of the map or whatever the borders. And you know, if you don't get all the towers and you won't know where all those borders are. So it's like, it, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like you're just. Ki- I'm just kind of in a state of awe. Maybe maybe this is like really over, like melodramatic, melodramatic, overdramatic. It's just dramatic. It's just dramatic. But I think about this compared to Skyward Sword, for example, and Ocarina of Time. And granted, those games were developed on um, platforms that didn't necessarily have the kind of quality of the Nintendo Switch or whatever, or the developers were working with it in such a way that would make the gameplay the easiest or whatever, the most playable, whatever you want to say. Um, it feels different from those core games, for example. Ocarina of Time is a much smaller place where things take place. It's more about the pastoral simplicity, um, uh, less so about grand provinces to explore and people of every kind to meet. It's more just dealing with the fate of the universe plot and the main trio, Zelda, Link, and Ganon, and establishing and addressing that whole, those, all those shenanigans. It's less so about the world building and there being an open world to begin with. Skyward Sword is a bit similar, but not quite as much. It takes it a step further, at least from Ocarina of Time, for example, um, and really broadens um, the overall feel to it in that there it does feel it does feel like there are more places to go to. Um, but again, it doesn't compare to the scale of this version of Hyrule. And, and I mean, whatever, in, in Skyward Sword, it wasn't really Hyrule. It's like Skyloft and then a bunch of other places that would eventually form Hyrule. And then Hyrule and Ocarina of Time is just so small. Uh, it's, you're not able to truly compare that that kind of thing. But anyways, I'm, I'm digressing. It's, it's that... This version of Hyrule is different from previous versions of Hyrule, even in other older core games like The Adventure of Link or even the very, very first game, The Legend of Zelda. I mean, obviously those games were being dealt with on much smaller platforms, so you can't truly compare. Uh, Okay, what I'm trying to say is this is probably the most complex version of Hyrule seen to date, and if we take into consideration the teaser um, for the sequel, whether or not the borders of Hyrule are going to be expanded is still left to our imagination, but at least there's probably a lot more going on in this version of Hyrule than what, it, what there seems to be happening. Um, and I think the last point I'd like to make is the mystery um, that is entrenched in this version of Hyrule, it, it seems boundless. Like there's just mystery at every corner. You can wonder something about every single province um, in this game. What, within their respective kind of rights. Like, uh, what you wonder about Central Hyrule will be different from what you wonder about Elden, but you're wondering about things nonetheless. And especially from a theorizing perspective, um, you know, there's a lot to um, try and organize in the mind and try and figure out which places have the most kind of lore concentration, if you will, which places um, seem to possess um, the most kind of historical aspects to it or something. Maybe not just limited to this game. For example, the Akala region seems to be very historical in that we know the there's a great battle that happened there at the Akala Citadel and that this was also probably, uh, though a far-reaching province, it was probably adventured to very often and was 
a place for pilgrimage, things like that. Um, you know, the Lanayru region was also an area for pilgrimage, but it also housed the Zora. It's also the place where all the water comes from. I don't know, there's something distinct about each um, uh, province, but there's a, a, I guess, an element of mystery to it all. Central Hyrule probably possesses the most uh, mysteries, I think, because um, places like the Hyrule Ridge, which I know haven't been talked about too much, just because geography is a little bit hard to describe when you don't have the visuals to back it. Um, Hyrule Ridge, um, the Great Hyrule Forest, for example, and even the Great Plateau itself, those are all very mysterious locations. They kind of differ from everywhere else in Central Hyrule um, in that they're kind of isolated, the whatever, the weather's a little bit different there, and the kind of mysticism of the Great Hyrule Forest, the mirage aspect to it, um, maybe even being a callback to the Lost Woods of Ocarina of Time, for example, that kind of thing. Uh, it's all just really easy to muddle in your brain and you're not sure how to explain those places, for example. Even the Lord of the Mountain shenanigans that are going on there, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on at Satori Mountain, just saying, guys. Um, and then, of course, the Gerudo, um, the Gerudo province has shown to be so, so mysterious, and there's so much going on there. And though the three-parter on the Gerudo technically has ended, um, uh, I, I still think there's a lot to be investigated there. The Gerudo will come back into the discussion. They weren't just, we weren't just going to stop at uh, whatever, Ganon and the Gerudo. We were just going to stop on that topic. The Gerudo are going to come back in some shape or form. And then there's also the Hebrew region. The Hebrew region is particularly mysterious because it's so drastically cold compared to like everywhere else in this version of Hyrule. Um, they only have one center of civilization, which is where the Rito live. Everywhere else is freezing cold. You have the one of the like one of three Lome labyrinths. Like there's three Lome labyrinths in this game. One of them is located in the freezing cold Hebrew. For what appears to be, it's just so confusing that it's it's there, literally at the end of, of the map. Like, what is, I don't, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's confusing. And there's a lot of other things that I didn't discuss as part of the tourist spots, because I'm leaving that for theorizing. So to sum up, uh, each province is diverse in nature. Um, each province has their own kind of historical flavor to it, so they are distinct um, historically, geography, geographically, like it, it, in a very cohesive manner. It makes sense and it makes the lands that much more interesting. Um, and there is just so much uh, mystery in all of Hyrule, in this version of Hyrule, I should say. There's so much mystery in every province, and I, I was just trying to sum up so I didn't deep dive into my investigations of each province and the mysteries I have of them all, but this was an episode just to introduce the geography mainly. And then of course, you know, how this compares to previous geography or previous lands introduced in the Zelda franchise, and this is so complex in comparison, so it's well thought out, it's cohesive, it makes sense, it's very interesting and intriguing all at once, um, and it, it, it makes theorizing about this game that much more interesting as well um where all these things like where certain places are and uh ruins whatever you want to think like just where anything is placed in this game seems to matter and i like that that seems to have been a consideration um 
so yeah, this was the Lore Research Lab's findings on Adventuring Through the Wild, the basic geography of Hyrule from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and I'll see you next time.